0: Dictated, as always, on my 50-mile commute from my 2006.5 Jetta Diesel, uh, my personal mobile studio, so to speak. And today is Friday, October 17th, 2008, and this is episode 76 already, rapidly approaching our centennial show, which there's going to be something really cool uh, when we do that. Folks, today's going to be like a real mixed bag here. Uh, I've got a couple different things I want to talk about. First, I've got some announcements about the forum. Then I have a big announcement about the show and a new partnership that we have uh, where we're going to get even more exposure. After that, I want to talk to you about different ways to support your local economy and some different ideas I have for how you can use the Internet to figure out exactly where and when and how to support your local economy. And one thing that's probably been under your nose for a long time now... you may not have realized it's a way to support your local economy. Uh, Because what I believe is if you want to prepare um, for whatever may come, good times or bad times, the most important thing that you can do to stabilize your situation is do business locally and ensure that your local economy is strong and the people in your local area have what they need to make it to. That will make them less likely to turn on you and remove food from your home uh, during a crisis. It will also increase the number of local connections. You have, and it's just good for everybody. And uh, I'll give you my thoughts additionally on that when I tell you who one of our or who our new partner is that's uh, syndicating our show. Uh, then I'm going to move into just some ways that you can use the internet towards your survival planning. Some of the things you may know, some of them you don't. I bet you want to go through all of them, at least everybody listening will pick up one thing that they can now use to do a better job with their survival planning and with just their lifestyle planning as well. All right. So that's what today's show is going to be. We're not going to try to stay too focused on one thing for too long. We'll try to keep the show under 40 minutes as we usually manage to do. And I'll see if I can prevent from going over. But if not, I'll try to make those extra minutes entertaining as well. As always, I'm not here to waste your time, hopefully, to entertain, inform, and enlighten. That is my goal. All right, folks, so the first thing I want to announce is that about three and a half weeks ago, it was about three and a half weeks. It might have been right at three weeks ago. I launched a forum, a discussion forum for members of this audience to begin to communicate to each other beyond what you could do on my blog where I published the show. Because all you could really do there is comment uh, back on individual episodes. And you guys did get some discussion going between each other, but it was mostly discussion and feedback to me. And that's really how most blogs work. So there's nothing wrong with that, but quite a few of you guys expressed interest to in me in, in a forum. And I knew a lot of my traffic was coming from other... Other forums, So I was a little bit concerned. I didn't want to look like a forum pirate taking away other people's forum members or anything. But then the people that were asking me ended up being moderators and owners of some of these other forums. So I thought, well, if, if they're okay with it, then I'm going to do it. So I put together a little forum. I did kind of an invite only. I made one or two announcements on, on the air. And then we kind of opened it up after about a week. In those three weeks, or maybe four it's the most, this thing could be open now, we've had over 4,000 posts made. We have over 250 members. I believe now and over 450 active topics going on and- and that's just outstanding. That we've—I've never seen a forum take off that fast. And it's a testament to you, you guys, and how much you want to be involved and how much you are actively doing something, rather than typical radio audiences that listen to conventional radio uh, that drive in their cars and listen to half of the show as commercials. Um, and, and they're there for the entertainment, but they're not there to be active. I have an audience that's clearly active, and it shows in your willingness to be open and discuss things with each other. So that's great. Uh, But I want to recognize one person. When I set the forum up, uh, if you're familiar with forums, usually there's some type of ranking system based on how many posts you make. And the owner of the forum usually controls what it's called and how many posts you have to make. And I made kind of your first level of achievement being a prepper, right, which we kind of all are. We wouldn't be doing this stuff. And uh, that only takes ten posts. So people can do that right away. And uh, I did that just so I could have at least a level where things like like posting certain forums where you can post links and resources and good deals. Things that could be abused by spammers wouldn't be seen by them until they had made at least 10 posts. So that's that's kind of the first level. From there it goes up. It's it's like 100, 200, and 300. At 300, you hit the top rank that we've put out there we call survivalist mentor. And that doesn't mean that you're a survivalist expert. Hell, I don't consider myself a survivalist expert. Uh, I'm just an informed man that tries to share and learn with, with my audience every day. What it means, though, is that after making over 300 posts and not taking off any of the moderators or any of the members bad enough to get thrown out of the forum, what that means is you've been helping people, you've been helping grow our community, uh, you've been engaging with other individuals, and you've been helpful to the community. That makes you a mentor in the community. All right, That's why they call it like survival genius or super survivalist. It's survival mentorship. It's helping others feel welcome in the community, it's helping them find answers, it's it's not being nasty to them, and you, and you achieve that, that level. We've had one person do this already, and his name is Dan Tanner, also on the forum known as Big Dan in Texas. All right, If you see Big Dan on the forum, say hi to him. He's an amazing guy. He also serves as a moderator and an administrator for me on the forum, and, of course, I don't pay anybody to do that kind of thing because uh, I can't because I don't charge anything for the show. Um, but Dan has been an amazing help toward getting my show off the ground. He's done a lot with making suggestions for topics and suggestions for setting up new boards on the forum. He's worked really hard as an unpaid volunteer, and I'm glad to see him as the first person recognized uh, as a survivalist mentor. And there's actually a thread um, now on the uh, the show board on the forum uh, for feedback on shows and stuff like that that announced Dan. Uh, there's a thread where people are just congratulating him, so you might want to join in on that thread and tell him congrats as well. Uh, but that thread that I'm sticking to the top you can't comment on because all it's going to do is announce everybody that makes it. So at some point we're going to have a list of all the people that have contributed to the forum to that level. And 300 posts might sound like a lot folks, but it's not that much if you're just doing a little bit every day. Uh, And it'll be good for you. You'll learn a lot by interacting with other people. You'll get informed. You'll learn about resources that are free, that are all over the internet uh, that you would have never known existed before. Uh, You'll learn about new techniques, new ideas. You'll see whatever the people are doing. And it's the internet that's going to take this this survivalist mentality and and make it mainstream. It'll never happen on ABC or NBC or CBS or even Fox News, all right? It's only going to happen on the Internet because what happens is you look out and you see somebody that took this barren little piece of ground and turned it into a food plot and he's feeding his family with it and you realize, I can do that too. And it's people like Dan that are helping put that together by being active, responsible members of the community. So please join in and one day... uh, Maybe I'll be saying your name here. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about on the forum is the five-item challenge that I announced last week. That thread's going great if you're not familiar with it. If you go into the recipes board on the forum, you'll see a, a topic that's been sticky there. It is only for, and I mean only for, no chit-chat. The moderators are deleting chit-chat on this thread. Providing a database of foods that store well. By store well, we mean over six months without refrigeration. Minimum six months, one year is better. Uh, stuff that's not, you know, MREs. In number ten cans that you can go out and buy in your local grocery store, with a complete breakdown: how many calories, how many servings, what the cost per serving is, how long it's stored, ideas for how to use it, uh, ideas based on the way the person that bought it used it, their opinion of the quality, who else might like it, its advantages and disadvantages. And what that's going to mean is, is in time we're going to have several hundred items there that a new person that goes, well, what the hell can I store? Do I have to go out and buy MREs and fifty-pound bags of pinto beans? We'll be Able to look through that just like a shopping list and go, I might like that, I might like that, I might like that, and, and it also tells you where the person got them, like I buy a lot of my stuff at Costco, there's been people posting the other stuff from Kroger's, things like that, odds are with most of these items you'll be able to get them at just about any grocery store, maybe some of the larger quantities you'll have to go to a Costco or a Sam's Club to, to partake of, but this is going to be a great resource, it's already off to a great start, I posted my first two items this weekend, um, I just haven't got around to doing my other three, I did bring three items in I'm gonna to try to do two more today. I have notes down on their uh, stats so that I can get that done sometime when I have a break at work today. So please get involved with the five item challenge. It's absolutely no cost to you to do it, even when you go out and buy the five items, because the whole spirit of it is you don't go out and buy cases of this stuff. Each week when you do your grocery shop and you pick up five things you've never tried before, smaller size you can get your hands on unless you really think you're gonna like it. I don't tell you how to spend your money. Um, you know, maybe one. Pack or one box or what have you. Make it part of your meals that week, and then post the particulars on the site. So if it sucks, your fellow members don't go out and buy it. You'll learn the same from them. And so if it's good and it's a good deal and it's something that even the kids like, you'll know to be able to add it to the things that you're storing in your pantry for the long haul. All right. So that's what that's about. Please get involved. Uh, the more people that get involved with that, the better. And again, if you're not up to a five-item challenge, it's just a time thing or a money thing. Fine, do a one-item challenge. Do a two-item challenge. No one's going to pick on you for it. All right? Anybody picks on anybody in this forum because they don't think the other person's doing enough, I'm going to ban them anyway. So don't you worry about that. Just get involved and follow the format there. Just cut and paste my first post as far as the stats, the calories, da-da-da-da. And just a little list there. And then go in and paste it into your post and just edit it. And that will keep everything in the same format. And eventually we're going to have one hell of a database of survivalist food that you can find on your supermarket shelf right. the next announcement I have to make is a big one I'm very very excited about this about a week and a half ago I was uh, contacted by the president of the Republic of Texas for those of you who don't know the Republic of Texas is a group that is trying to move Texas toward independence from the United States of America that might sound radical but if you look into what these guys are doing you'll see they're not radicals Uh, They are not on the fringe of law and what's legal and and, and right or anything like that. They're an active, uh, as far as I'm concerned, civil rights and constitutional-based organization. Uh, They see themselves already as independent, as independent as they're allowed in the current climate. They're trying to spread that message of independence for not just the state of Texas, but I believe their bigger vision would be independence for all of our states. Taking our United States back to what it was before. Or the Civil War, and that has nothing to do with racism or slavery. Slavery. It has to do with states' rights. All right? Prior to the Civil War, we referred to this nation as these United States. Okay? After the Civil War, they became the United States. And the difference may seem subtle, but it's a big reason that those clowns in Washington right now are free to just do whatever they like. They just shoved a bailout bill down our throats, for example. That's just one of the things. They bailed out their buddies on Wall Street. They're telling you it's good for you. We know it's not good for us. They're mortgaging our kids' future. And... Sometimes it takes a radical idea to bring about even moderate change. So I am a big believer in what these guys are doing, and everything they do is completely legal and above board, and it's not hidden. And they've put out their own radio shows on Texas Independence Radio. And they just launched this a couple days ago. They have two or three uh, shows that they they broadcast live, and then they rebroadcast them throughout the day. And I'll warn you, they play a lot of country music in between shows. So if you like country, it's all independent country-western. Stuff uh, and, and I kind of like it. I know some of y'all don't because you've kind of busted on uh, Bob Moss, who uh, is the guy that does the intro song for our show, uh, which I got from a, a free site where you can get free MP3s for uh, podcasting. So if you've ever wondered who that is, it's Bob Moss. Well, the music's kind of similar to that. So if that's not your thing, you may have to like check back in and check out. They don't have a program lineup showed up, but the upshot of this is my show is going to be syndicated daily on Texas Independence Radio for at least. The, the foreseeable future. Uh, they approached me and asked me if they could do that. I immediately agreed to do so under just a few conditions that weren't really asking very much. And uh, Yesterday I put it on and I heard their show talk to the president and uh, listened to what he had to say and it was really enlightening to hear him speak. And uh, Then his show ended and there was some of this uh, independent country music playing and I just kind of left the headphones on and kept working. And next thing I know I heard Bob Moss and my show came on. It was really a very proud moment for me to know that I started this show talking to myself in a car with no audience at the end of July. And today we're now not only over a thousand listeners strong, over two hundred and fifty forum members strong, but we're now reaching out to different mediums and we're being recognized for what we're doing and our information is considered valuable to other groups and we're getting additional exposure for it. And I have to thank you, the audience, for that. The things that you've done for me, the efforts you've made to share and tell other people about this show are why that's happened. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. Plenty of people have said the things I'm saying before. It has to do with the fact that somehow I was lucky enough to pull this group of people together as part of my audience about what we're doing together, because you people are what motivate me to do this every day and go, you know what, I don't feel like doing a show today, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, I'm kind of tired, I just like listen to the radio, you know, but no, I'm going to do a show because my audience is waiting for a show. It's teamwork, and thank you for it, and I'll put a link to texasindependenceradio.com on this this post. So that kind of wraps up the announcements. And uh, I'm going to go into now the two topics of today's show, and hopefully it will be informative. And the first thing I want to talk about is creative ways and different ways that you can do business in your local economy. Maybe some things that you haven't thought about before that actually do involve doing business in your local economy. And I thought today was a great day to talk about that in, in alignment with my announcement about Texas Independence Radio. Because even though they're talking about succession from the union, what they're really talking about, what the real goal is there, is the state being able to provide for and depend on itself and not seeing its resources sucked out into the rest of the country against its will and having to buy their own things back into the economy. Now, if that's not a testament for supporting your local economy, I don't know what is. Because the the reality is part of this thing that's been destroying state economies, the city economies, and town economies is the federal government's extraction. All right, it's an extraction, it's a Robin Hood philosophy, it's sharing the wealth. But part of it you're letting happen. And I don't mean you so much the individual. I mean you the American people. Right? Because it's more important to us to save 2 cents on a board foot of lumber so we go to Home Depot or Lowe's rather than John's, you know, Ace Hardware independent franchise. All right? And that's reality. And those decisions that we've collectively made over the years in the good times and the bad. Some people say, well, you know, it's hard. The times are hard. Well, you know what? Sometimes times have been really good and we've still been out buying Chinese-made goods and buying from the giant box stores and ignoring our local merchants and then complaining when they go out of business. All right? So I want you to start rethinking and I want you to start using some of the ideas that I have not just to do business with local merchants but simply to keep your money flowing in your local economy. Instead of spending the money with a credit card on the Internet to some company that's halfway across the country or halfway across the world, spend it in cash, and hand it eye-to-eye, hand-to-hand, to a guy across the table from you who lives in a neighborhood just like yours, not far away from where you live. Now, my first thought on this is, I already talked about this this week, but shopping in local farmer's markets for your produce, it's probably the simplest, the easiest And the best way that you can support your local economies. If your economy locally has a strong ability to produce food and people can earn a living by tilling the land and producing food, it's going to stabilize everything around you. All right? Because it's a real thing that real people can do. And if that economy starts to grow, more and more people will just go convert plots in their backyards. All right? Because you'd be astounded what a dedicated individual, especially someone that's, let's say, a stay-at-home mom, or a semi-retired or fully retired individual that's still healthy enough to work like that, you'd be shocked at what they could do if they took a quarter of a lot that was already only a tenth of an acre and how much they could produce especially in states like Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, Florida, all the southern states with long growing seasons, all right? You'd be absolutely astounded what people like that could do. And if they had a place where they could turn a little bit of a profit on the surplus they can produce, we'd have more people doing that. We'll increase local agriculture. That is the best fundamental way I know to improve your local economy. Start at home, grow at home, all right? That's that's how, how I feel about that, and I think we all all really need to to think about how we can continue to do things just like that the next thing is Find out about local flea markets, swap meets, trade events, things like that. I know everybody has this view that you know flea markets are these places where you got a guy with a table full of knives and and, and you know another guy with a with a booth full of hubcaps and, and things like that. And uh, I, you know I've been to a lot of flea markets like that. And and you know maybe there's not a lot of stuff there you can buy often, but you know occasionally when you need some random stuff, go buy one or just you know make a commitment to find a couple in your Area and maybe spend one Saturday a month instead of in a movie theater dropping 20 bucks for the family just on tickets or more, and then another 30 or 40 on, you know, popcorn and stuff like that. Maybe you go out to one of these swap meets once a month or even once every other month. Just walk around, see what's there, and uh, learn about them. There's probably more of them in your area than you think, and you might be surprised at what you can find that you can use in your day to day living. Um, We have a huge one in Grand Prairie, Texas called Trader's Village. And a lot of the stuff out there is just flat-out junk, and it's imported goods and all. But there's a lot of stuff that's kind of like the food stuff, and a lot of that is local. And uh, there's a guy named, uh, I can't remember his name, but his product is called OBQs. And uh, he's got a line of seasonings that he's developed himself. Uh, they're produced here in a local uh, warehouse for him as a you know private label product based on his formulations. And they're outstanding. And whenever we go out there, we may just walk around, eat a hot dog, and not really spend Spend much money with all the junk stuff, but I always buy some product from him, and when I don't get back and I'm out, I go onto his website and I buy it, so even though I'm using the internet there, it's local economy that's being supported, so that's another thing you can do, find those swap meets, find those exchanges, go there, talk to the people that live in your own area, and see what they supply, what they have, and if there's something you can use regularly that you can buy that way, do it, and these all seem like little things. But you know what? It's 10 customers that keep a guy like that in business every month. And it's not saying 10 customers will do it, but it's there's a line, there's a point in the sand where 10 more customers, this is worth doing this month, 10 less, and it's not. And, and you can be one of those ten, and that does make a difference. And that person being there, being in business, employing other people, having suppliers, that's all good for your local economy. That's all good for local autonomy and local independence. All right? So these are all, I know they sound like high-level things, but they're all things that you actually can do. Everything I'm saying here is something you, the individual, can do to improve your survival planning by making sure that we're you live is a safer place to live, a more stable place to live, and you can probably find some really good deals on things you can use for your preparations, uh, for your outdoor activities, and other things like that. You'd be surprised at what you can find there in the way of uh, hunting gear, knives, mill surplus stuff, things like that. So there's practical applications to all this. Now, the next one is going to be one that I think is highly overlooked. is a local economy supporter. A lot of you have probably used it. I'm sure just about everybody listening to this show has been to the site and looked around for stuff, but it's Craigslist, all right? Craigslist is a huge internet site, but it's a place where I can go, go post for free anything that I'm selling. Most of the items that you see for sale there are used items from individuals that are like, maybe I'm selling my old boat and you need to buy an old boat, or I'm selling an old car and you need to buy an old car, things like that. When you do business on Craigslist, instead of going down to Joe's used car lot, you're cutting out the middleman and you're putting money into Joe the car owner's hands so he gets a better deal than making a trade-in. That puts more money into his household, which he spends mostly in his local economy. That makes his home more stable. So Craigslist, I think, is a great way to reach out and find other people that are local and in your community that have something to sell or are looking to buy something or are hiring you know, people and looking to hire people or are offering services. Services or just need to connect for other reasons. So please make Craigslist a part of what you're doing online. Um, I'm guilty of it myself. When I want to buy something, kind of the first place I go, eBay. I go to eBay and I see, you know, who's selling this? And, but what I've been catching myself doing lately is before I make that purchase on eBay, uh, I jump on Craigslist and say, can I find somebody locally here that, that you know maybe not as sophisticated as a person that would sell on eBay, uh, somebody that can go meet at the Starbucks parking lot and hand him twenty bucks and he hands me the item. I mean that's that's as local as he gets. The other thing you can do is on eBay, you can actually look for local merchants. You can say I want to see people within a certain uh, uh, geography around where I live. So even eBay can be used to reach out to the local economy. But to me, there's nothing like Craigslist. You don't have to set up anything major to set up an account at Craigslist. It Takes a couple minutes and clicking on an email link. Alright, so just about anybody savvy enough to use the web and email can post a Craigslist. And because of that, it's a very open, very democratic way to sell. Uh, you do have to use common sense. If you're a woman, don't go meeting a man alone in a dark alley to buy something from him. If you meet people, if you meet people, I suggest you meet them on public places, uh, you know, where, where there's good lighting during daylight hours, because you just don't know who you're dealing with, and you gotta use good operational security. Don't get away your address on Craigslist and tell people, just come by my house and do different things like that. Uh, just use common sense and you'll, you should do alright. I've done a lot of business off of Craigslist uh, with people and I've never had a problem. I've never felt threatened or in danger by doing that. I usually have a phone conversation with them before we meet and that'll usually tell you a lot of what you need to know. And again, I always like to meet somewhere at least a few miles away from my house. I don't tell them where my house is and uh, you know we meet you know, a Starbucks parking lot or a Walmart parking lot to arrange exchange or you know you can also do the whole I'll just send you the money you ship me the goods type thing if you want to do that as well so uh, but Craigslist is a great resource and start using it to find more people to do business within your local economy and I've even hired graphic artists and programmers off of Craigslist and you know hired guys that are you know right in Arlington to do a little bit of programming work for me versus hiring some guy on Renicoder over in India or Pakistan to support my local economy that way just think about what you can do for money that you're going to spend anyway to spend it in the bounds of your own zip code and if you can't do that in the bounds of your own town if you can't do that in the bounds of your own county if you can't do that at least your metro area your regional state area Uh, everything you do to do that increases the, the the staying power of your local economy and makes things better for everyone from your neighbor to yourself trust me when you do this it does make a difference um, I want to kind of shift gears now to just some just a few different little products that are available online for free that you can use for your survival planning and like I said just about everybody will have heard of some of them uh, but I bet you I'm going to give you at least one you haven't uh, heard of that you can use to, uh, to better prepare for the future uh, and to better organize Your survival planning, etc. The first one I want to mention is probably highly underutilized as a survival tool, and that's weather.com. And uh, weather.com is just you know what it is. It's put out by the weather channel, you plug your zip code in or any other zip code you want to know the weather for in, and you see what's going on right now. You also see radar uh, and what's coming your way. And After homes, you know, about 10 years ago, there were some homes that were only about a mile away from mine that were leveled by a very powerful F3 tornado. It was the same storm that produced the tornado that wiped out downtown Fort Worth, blew all the windows out of the Bank 1 skyscraper, that storm. After that happened, I decided that... I was going to take control of that situation at least enough to know, even when somebody wasn't telling me that the threat was there, that I could interpret radar well enough to know, this looks bad, we need to get into the safe area of our home, or at least be prepared to. Uh, because like I've said before, if you live in Tornado Alley, you know, uh, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, all the way up in Illinois, this whole middle of the United States on these plains, uh, you, you really can't evacuate for storms that are going to produce tornadoes or you wouldn't live there three months out of the year and then there's random other times where they pop up and they're relatively short term so it's important to be able to log on something like a weather.com and get an idea of what's approaching and get a better understanding of just what the newscaster is telling you and he might really not tell you what you need to know until it's too late so i think it's a good tool and there's a lot of other sites out there where you can get radar the one thing i don't like about weather.com is the radar image is delayed usually you can find a local tv station that. Shows uh, live radar on the internet, so look for those as well, so uh, those are good things. Now, there's another product I can't really endorse, but I've been told about it by several of my listeners who like it. The reason I can't endorse it is I found it to be annoying, and I actually considered it spyware on my computer. It was it was just, to me, it was one of the most annoying little damn things in the world, but I do see the validity of it. It's called weather bug, and basically, when there's weather alerts in your area, it'll pop up and tell you what's going on, so you're sitting there working, kind of zoned out at work. And all of a sudden, there's a tornado warning for your area, or a severe thunderstorm warning, or a hail warning, or a flood warning. It'll pop up and let you know. It just seemed to me that it popped up way more than it needed to to tell me things I didn't really care about. And maybe there's some settings on it that you can use to avoid that um, and, and and be bothered less by advertisements and other annoying little things. And it, again, it just bugged me. Maybe I'll give it another shot and see if I can uh, find the settings. And you know, it was a long time ago that I used it. And a lot of times these things are way too invasive and then people don't adopt them, and uh, then because of that, they give you ways to filter that out, because they want people uh, to use it and see it and get the branding out of it, which is what these things really should be for. So maybe I'll give Weatherbug another shot, but it is a resource that several of my listeners have recommended, uh, to stay on top of the weather in a real-time basis, and uh, so that's something that you may want to look at, and I'll look that up, and I'll put a link to it. Just if it annoys you, no, one, it's not hard to uninstall to, I already told you it annoyed me, so this is not a ringing endorsement for this product at all. The next item I'm going to give you, though I am going to give you a ringing endorsement for, it's called Google Alerts. And when you go to Google, I don't think a lot of people realize you can search Google or you can search Google News. All right, and then one of the other things people aren't aware of is you can search Google for blogs. And you, when you look at the top of Google, you'll see like maps, uh, news, you know, stuff like that going all the way across the top of the page. And you won't see blogs, but you will see a button that says More, a little link that says More. If you click on it, it doesn't go anywhere. It's a drop down for you, and one of the options is blogs. So, if you want to follow a topic in survival, pandemic flu, okay, hurricanes. It's bloody. Uh Or if you want to follow any topic in both news and or blogs, you can create what's called a Google Alert. And all you do is run the search, look at the results that you get, okay, and decide is that the kind of information I'd like to have on a daily basis, the latest information on that. You set up an alert. On Google, you'll see right here. Get alerts about blog and you can do it with the blogs too. Because a lot of times the bloggers are talking about things the mainstream media is not. That's why you tune into my show. I talk about things that Dan Rather would never talk about, or Peter Jennings would never talk about, or any of these other O'Reilly or Limbaugh or any of these guys. Even the commentary guys would never talk about this stuff. Uh, but I'll talk about it, and, and so will bloggers. They'll they'll write about things that no one else will. So you can set up alerts for the blog or the news. All right, and what happens is every day. Um, and you can kind of control the frequency as well and how many items come. Google News will basically run its own search and send you a little email and su- with, with summarized search results about what's going on. You'll look at it and you go, uh, yeah, I want to know more about that or that. And you click on the link and you can read the story. It's a way to stay informed. If nothing's interesting, you delete it. If you decide you don't want it anymore, you unsubscribe from it. And, again, it's Google, so they're not going to spam you. I have alerts set up for things like hurricanes. I have things set up for Texas State government. I have it set up for pandemic flu. And a lot of the information that I bring you are from other alerts that I have set up. I have a little folder set up in my Outlook file where all of those things go. And in most email programs, you can set if it comes from here, put it in this folder uh, so that I, you know, kind of not bombarded with it. I look at it when I have time. Uh, So it's a great tool and it'll keep you aware of a lot of things that maybe uh, you, you wouldn't be aware of otherwise. I also want to talk to folks a little bit about. About what's called the Boolean search uh, methods. And I just want to give you a couple examples here. And a lot of times you can do this kind of an easy way by clicking on Advanced Search in Google and you can say I want exact matches, I want the words in the title, whatever. Uh, But one of the easy ones that you can do without taking that step is just putting quotes around something. So for instance, if you were searching for the Survival Podcast and you type in The Survival Podcast Search on Google, you will find us, uh, but you'll find a lot of sites. Right, because it's looking for survival and podcast, and it kind of throws the out the window as an arbitrary phrase word, and it's looking for anything with survival and podcast with it anywhere. If you put quotes around it, it's only going to return results that would have the survival podcast in that order. So when you run your uh, Google alert, you may want to start, if you want to do for pandemic flu, you may want to put quote pandemic flu close quote and then you won't get pandemic and flu that are kind of unrelated in an article. Now, pandemic flu probably doesn't need a lot of fine-tuning, but it's just an example. You can also use the advanced search and look for words in the title. So you might want to see only pandemic flu in the title of a story to be more specific with the type of information you're getting. The easiest way to do that is click on advanced search and say, I want the words only in the title. Whatever way you run that search, when you create an alert for that search, the alert that comes to you will be in that exact format that you ran the search, including sort by date, because you can at the top you'll see sort by date, sort by relevance. Well, if you want the most up-to-date information, you're not really concerned with Google's attention on relevance, but more what's the most recent data that's available about this. So that's another sort function, and again, when you create an alert, it will obey all those sorting functions that you've used. Okay, so hopefully, even if you knew about Google Alerts, you've learned something here where you can fine-tune your alerts to get better more relevant information Uh, the next one i want to talk about is google maps i'm not going to go into this a great deal i'm just going to say odds are that if even if you can read a map somebody in your home cannot all right and what a good idea for you to do is go to Google Maps, create maps of your neighborhood, sit down with your family members, explain why North is up on a map, and I cannot tell you how much it drives me crazy when people say that doesn't matter. And there are, and I know if you know how to read a map and you know that North is always up on a map, you might be like, who are these people? Trust me, they're out there. There's more of them that you can think of. I've had people draw me maps on how to get from my office to, let's say, a restaurant where we're all meeting at, where North is left as I'm holding the paper with the top of the paper up. I've got to turn the thing sideways and go, look, you, you can't draw a map or north is left, or north is down. North is up on a map. That's a reason for that. And if you're a doubter of that, like my wife has been, okay? That's how close to home this is for me. Then go to a store and buy a map at a store and find one map in one store that's professionally drawn where north is not up. You will not find it. It does not exist. All right? So north is up on a map. Teach your family that north is up. Teach your family to be orientated to their entire neighborhood. Use Google Maps to do that. Make sure they understand alternate routes to get from one point to another. And they have to understand direction and what's around them because it might not just be an alternate route to get from a place of employment to home. They might have to improvise on the move. And if they don't have that awareness, then you've got a real problem. Use Google Maps to print out routes to get out of the city from different ways, give the routes names, highlight them, put them in a book, keep them in your vehicles, if you have three vehicles, have a set in every vehicle, and be able to make a phone call and say, hey, we got to get out because you are, where are you at, okay, you're there, you take from where you are, route C, we're going to rendezvous at XYZ. And then that way, it's not you're sitting there trying to go, look, what you need to do is go, you know, you're trying to give directions on the phone when you're not even really sure where that person's out. Make map reading a fundamental skill that you teach to all the members of your family and or community that you are involved with, with planning for what to do in an eventual emergency. Make sure everybody knows how to use Google Maps, and make sure you have printed out maps for people of possible routes that they may need to take. It is one of the best tools I've ever seen. You can even switch the satellite view and get a topographical Reading. You can even, in a lot of places, do a ground view and see what's around there. It's an excellent tool. Uh, Google Earth is something that people like as well. I like Google Earth. It's a tool, but when it comes to practical applications, uh, outside of GPS and things like that, Google Maps is simple, fast, easily accessible, and something that anybody can learn to use very, very quickly. All right. So that's a tool that you should be using in your survival planning. Uh, The last one. It's one that I know a lot of people don't know about. And a lot of people might even, when you tell them about it, go, I don't really get why this matters uh, for survival planning. Well, it does because it makes your information accessible from anywhere in the world. And it's called Google Documents. And Google Documents basically is an online version of what you would have to call Microsoft Word and an online version of Microsoft Excel. Uh, not necessarily really Microsoft Word and Excel. I just say that because they're the two most common word processing and Excel sp- and uh, uh, spreadsheet programs. But what that allows you to do is create an account and host your documents for free, or make copies of your documents that you keep on maybe a hard drive or a floppy. Di- uh, not a floppy disk. Geez, that shows my age. But uh, you know, an MMC card or a hard drive, a small hard drive, or uh, a Donald drive, as some people call them, USB drives. Whatever. All right. Um, to make copies of some of your key documents and key information, it's secure. So somebody would have to have your Google account information to log in and see your documents. But it's also shareable. You can make the document public, if you don't mind making a document public. Or you can take the other members of your family and make the documents shared. All right. So I could say, share with Dorothy and share with Matthew, in my instance. And then if my wife or my son logged into their Google account and went to docs.google.com, they'd be able to see all my documents documents, I can set that up where all they can do is read them, or where we can all edit and we'll see each other's edits, and we can compile a document together with active participation, editing, and tracking of editing, all right? So, if you wanted to keep an inventory list of things that you have, um... Anybody could update that inventory list from anywhere, and everybody would see the updates, who made the updates, and when they were made. If you have a PDF uh, that you want to cut and paste into Google Documents so that if your computer blows up, you could still get your hands on that ebook or that manual or whatever it is, it will still be there. It will still be backed up, and it will be housed and filed the way that you want it done. All right. Believe it or not, this is completely free. And if you're a person that doesn't have Excel or Word, and people often send you these documents in these formats, you can open those documents in Google Docs. All right. And you can find this at docs.google.com. D-O-C-S, and I'll put links to all these things in today's show. But with Google Documents, basically, you have access to Word and Excel. Uh, and, and all the functionality that they offer I'd say most it's not quite all the functionality of Excel uh, but most of the basic functionality definitely that most people would know how to use anyway uh, some of the more advanced macro techniques and stuff for the spreadsheet wizards I don't think they're in there because I wasn't out how to. I didn't, couldn't figure out how to access them and I'm pretty good in Excel um, but you know anything I really needed to do with, with basic stuff like keeping lists inventories whatever in a secure backed up environment it's there it's available so I really really recommend that you check out Google Docs and start taking some of your important, at least Word documents, making copies of them, keeping them there, and then realize that if you happen to be at a friend's house and you want to share information with him, you can log on to your account and get that data right away. Or if you get displaced, as long as you can get to a computer with Internet access, you'll have access to that data. Now, I still think it makes, things take critical informa- makes sense to take things like critical information and put them onto you know, USB drives or, or cards or CD-ROMs or what have you, and have them in an, or, a lot of stuff print out, so you have a printed version of it, but this is another set of back, backups in redundancy, and anything short of an electrical frying of the grid, you're going to be able to go somewhere, someplace, find a computer and get to that data, so that's kind of my last one, so I hope this has been really a different show, uh, with a lot of information we've covered, we covered a lot of ground really fast, uh, but hopefully I've given you at least one thing, because that's my goal every day, to give you one thing Thing that you could add to your survival planning that helps you do the credo of the show, which is live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Again, I'd like to invite you to comment on the blog. All right, Go to the blog survivalpodcast.com Again, the survivalpodcast.com or if you say it the other way, thesurvivalpodcast.com and look up this episode. Comment. Give me feedback. Give me suggestions. If you want to send me an email, it is jack at the pretty easy Get involved in our forum. Get involved in our discussion. Take the five-item challenge and go out and get some items and start adding to our catalog and our database so that other people can learn from your experience and you can learn from theirs. Stay true to your local economy. Do business with local people whenever and wherever you can. And tune in on Monday when we'll bring you another edition of the Survival Podcast. Again, this has been Jack Spierko helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream, and you can holler It really doesn't matter, cause it all gets spent